Hello and welcome to Back of the Net and Beyond, where today I'm going to be speaking to former Arsenal, Cardiff and Wales international, Reese Weston. How you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, good, DT. Thank you, pal. How are you? All good, all good. Thanks for coming on, by the way. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Great to see you doing so well, mate. Cheers, cheers. Um, so, if you just want to let the listeners know um, what you're up to nowadays. Okay. Um... So I stopped playing football in February 2014, I think it was. So just over six years ago, six and a half years ago now. Um, so I'm, current, I'm currently working at Brentford Football Club um, in the commercial team. So I, I, I manage uh, a small team within the commercial department looking at outbound sales opportunities effectively and also been heavily involved in uh, the season ticket process for our new stadium. So moving to a new stadium next season. So I've been there for the last nine and a half, ten months. I started mid-September. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since I've finished playing, I've done a, done a couple of bits and pieces, um, which I'm sure we'll touch on during the course of this this piece. But um, yeah, back in football on the other side of the fence, though, which has been really interesting and challenging, but interesting, really enjoying it. Mm. So in terms of, obviously, your career, so you played football, as we all know, and you had a sustained career at a decent level as well. So um, congratulations for that. Um, now you're seeing things from a different perspective, even though you are... Like you said, you're still involved in football, but you're seeing it from the other side of the fence. So how have you, how have you found that transition? I just kind of wish I paid more attention when I was playing, to be honest with you. <laughs> because it's, what, what I have noticed is there's no, there's no direct synergy between the commercial side of the business and the playing side. There's two mm-hmm. separate entities. You know, yeah. you've got, you know, I, I, look, I look on with envy sometimes at how well the team are doing and you see mm-hmm. the coaching staff and, you know, the, the camaraderie, the team spirit that the, the players have got between them. You know, Brentford's are quite an innovative club in the sense that they've gone down the route of having directors of football. So they've got two directors of football um, who look after all the operations and recruitment, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, it's, uh, you, you think when you're at a football club, you're blissfully unaware of what actually goes on. You might, you might know the club secretary. You might knock yeah. on his or her door just to ask for a couple of favours here and there. <laughs> you, you, might, you, might have, you might have a rapport with the chairman. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Might, it ends you, there. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah, of course, you have respect for the, for the, kit, the, the kit man and the kit lady and, and what mm-hmm. have you. But, you know, in terms of how the business operates, I had no clue. No clue. Um, so, yes, it's really interesting to see, you know, you, you start seeing all, the, all the, the opportunities that are available commercially for people that want to be, seem to be involved in football. I mean, I, I'm not directly involved in partnerships, but even, you know, the sums of money that are being discussed around, you know, opportunities to be, associated with a with a championship soon to be Premier League football club it's it's amazing so for me yeah it's it's it's, it's a period of adaptation I guess but I, because I've been working for five years prior to coming into this role I think I probably had a, a slightly slightly less daunting I think coming into it because I had a bit of experience from sales and what have you before getting the job yeah. at Brentford um, but yeah it's def- definitely something that I wish I paid more attention to previously for sure. <laughs> so you mentioned that you had kind of sales experience and obviously you kind of enhance your transferable skills through those five years of working prior to doing what you're doing now. So talk us a little bit about kind of when you stepped away from the game and then kind of what were you doing? What was your next kind of uh, career path? Yeah, so again, it, it was, I didn't really have a transition per se. So I, I, I had a career in the injury. So that was what kind of finished me off. But to be honest with you, in hindsight, it was probably the, the right time for me to step away anyway I think you know I was 
I was playing, I was still, I was playing league football, but not playing to the level that I, sh I should have been, you know, for my own, by my own standards, I think. I think yeah. down to a number of factors, but, um, you know, sore knees being, being the primary reason for it. And so I got I get injured. I had an operation. I was I was laid up for a couple of weeks. You know, in a knee brace, couldn't move. And then um, a couple of friends of mine started a golf travel business. Must be close on fifteen years ago now. And uh, I'd spoken to them, you know, at various points, you know, throughout the years about you know what you're going to do when you finish playing. And I was like, I don't know. I'll, I'll get round to it at some point, you know. Yeah. But then you know, all of a sudden you're, you're sitting at home doing nothing and. My mate said to me, why, why don't you come into the office a couple of days a week just to keep yourself ticking over, keep yourself mm -hmm. busy? You know, sitting at home watching shitty daytime TV is not the way forward, is it, when you've got time to think about stuff? So mm. I went into the office a couple of days a week. That turned into four days a week. It then got to the point where they're going, listen, we, we can't be paying you to be the office kind of lackey going around just doing bits and pieces here and there. So you have to start earning your keep. So we want you to get stuck into sales. I'm like, well, I... I like golf, but I don't know anything about the product side of the business. He said, no, you'll learn. Don't worry about it. So I just got stuck on a, a pod of seven people, wow. given, a phone, a head, given a phone, a headset, and off you go. I mean, I was lucky. It was inbound sales. So I wasn't cold calling per se. Mm. But yeah, I was picking up the phone to people that, you know, and golfers, it's, 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 yeah, golfers are quite particular and can be quite awkward at times. I mean, they, they know what they want. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're fielding inquiries. You're trying to muddle your way through. But yeah, a great, um, a great introduction to the like to the, the real world, as I'll as I'll refer to it as you know, in sales being central to everything in business, effectively. So yeah, long and short, I was there. I ended up from two days a weekend. I've been there for four and a half years. So I started on the sales floor, then kind of worked my way into the events and sales side of that business, mm. and then latterly I was looking after the B two B side of the business. So looking at you know media. Um, golf brands, those kind of things who are doing their corporate travel and bits and pieces, trying to help facilitate their trips. Yeah. So I got a good, a good understanding of it. But then, you know, in terms of progression and, and working with your friends can be quite challenging. So I, I obviously wanted to to, um, to develop and also to earn some more money. And I kind of mm -hmm. got to the point where they couldn't make up another role for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, there was nobody, nowhere else for me to go, barring into senior leadership, which I wasn't ready for. Yeah. So, um, I moved into hospitality briefly. I went to Gaucho Restaurant Group. Um, I worked there for a few months, but then they went to administration, um, which seems to follow me around a little bit. Same thing happened at Dundee, but I went to administration. <laughs> but again, I saw a little bit of the hospitality industry, saw enough of it to realize that I probably wasn't cut out for it, having a, having a young family as well, yeah. uh, and the amount of commitment and time it would have taken. Yeah. So that didn't last too long, if I'm being honest with you. I then had like a three-month period of gardening leave. So this is now, I don't know, five years post-career. That's the first mm. time, that three-month period, I think, when I left Gaucho, that I had a, a time to reflect about stuff. And that's when you start, you start going down the rabbit hole a little bit mm. and start thinking about you know, career choices yeah. you know, during your career. What have, I, what have I done that? What have I stayed there? What have I hadn't gone there? What have I hadn't done that? And you know, that, that's, that's where I think, you know, you, you, if, you start, if you start dwelling on stuff like that, that's, that's, when, that's when things can go a little bit sideways. So, Thankfully, I've got a young daughter, so having having her around kind of re recalibrates you every day. You know, when, when you're sitting there, yeah, you're sitting, you're sitting, you're sitting there going, "Shit, where did my life go wrong?" All of a sudden, she just belly flops you from the middle of out of nowhere. You're like, "Okay, all right, let's get on, get get on with your day." Exactly. And then I ended up um, ended up meeting someone through to a mutual friend of ours um, that ran an events and communications company in Putney, which was local. Um, so I went in there as like a senior commercial executive um, 
trying to procure um, sponsorship and partnerships for for their their kind of um, their flagship event they hosted annually. But then whilst I was there, the opportunity at Brentford presented itself. And as much as I, I, I was very grateful for the opportunity I had for the, the events and communications uh, agency, um, you know, the opportunity to go back into football on the commercial side, I felt, you talk about transferable skills, I think what I what I picked up from my playing days and the experience I gained from being in the sales environment, I thought, well, you know, if I can, if I can amalgamate the two, Mm. and go into football on the commercial side let's see what happens and I, I'm, I'm again very very fortunate you know that I, actually, I actually um I actually thought I applied for a different role than I got which is okay. a little bit embarrassing yeah so I, I, I'm pretty sure it was a partnerships executive role that I saw but yeah. when I spoke to the recruiter he's like no nah, mate that was that that was filled about seven months ago so I'm not sure what you've seen I've gone uh, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's, a bit, it's a bit it's a bit awkward he's gone well yeah mate was it was it a telesales lead role I said yeah, may, maybe yeah, I just kind of want to, just kind of want to work in football um, no but I was again very lucky I met the commercial director and stuck up a really good rapport with him mm. um, again a couple of interviews later and I was I was offered the job and it was like wow okay um, and, it, and it's the first the first real kind of like proper buzz about an opportunity yeah. I've I'd had since I'd finished playing mm. um, you know going going back into an environment that I thought I knew but okay. you know it's different it's, yeah, it's yeah. very different but the beauty the beauty about brentford is that the ceo's doors open the chairman's doors open yeah i've got a direct line into my my the, the commercial director he's my boss i report directly into him but the, the, the hierarchy is there but it's invisible do you know what i mean so you can just you can approach people and you can ask questions and yeah, yeah i mean 10 10 months has flown by mate I've, I've loved every second of it i've got to admit that's mad. Um, I mean, so just to go back slightly, you said you applied for the job at Brentford and it was, it was completely, mm. like it was something else that obviously what you're doing now. And you mentioned that the role wasn't even there when you applied. So when, when that kind of, when you spoke to whoever you spoke to, the person that was interviewing you and he said, look, this role has been filled. What, what happened at that point? Did he then say, well, we've got this other role or did you have to go back and kind of, research again how was that happen? no it was, it, it was I, I think it was just a, a genuine misinterpretation of, of what i'd read um yeah. i mean thank, thankfully he, he took it as it was that it was it was it was a recruiter but he was directly associated with with, with brentford so it wasn't right. you know I, I, it was a little bit embarrassing on my behalf but you yeah. know after I, he still entertained the conversation about it and it transpires i had seen the right position as well um yeah. i just thought i'd apply for something else but yeah it's um it's funny, funny how these things come about because apparently they've been they've been looking they've been looking to fill the role for a while, oh, wow. uh, and it was getting it was getting to that point where they're going, they wanted someone that had a really good understanding of football, but also sales experience. Yeah. But what you're finding what you're finding is you've got people that got really good sales experience but don't have a great understanding of football. Yeah. 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 So sometimes, sometimes, mate, you, it's right place, right time. You know, it's yeah. it, it is what it is. You know. There are a million, there are a million reasons for me not to apply for that job. Do you know what I mean? There was, it could have been, I just, have, I just, it just happened to be at the, at the right, the right time in the right place. And um, yeah, very, very fortunate, I guess. Very mm. fortunate in that regard. That's class, mate. You mentioned obviously, so you've retired and then you kind of you've got the opportunity through your friends having that golf business, and you kind of got thrown in at the deep end. That it kind of resonates with, say, my transition. So when I finished playing, I just organically just apply for a job like anyone else does. And then I had an interview process, got to the second stage and then had another one. Um, but I remember on my first couple of days, they basically just said, look, you need to just pick up the phone. It's not that I was nervous. It was just a case of kind of, 
looking around thinking, well, it's a new environment. I'm happy that I found a job because I know how hard it is to find a job, um, especially with just a sports-based CV. So from that perspective, I was, I was really grateful, but kind of I wanted to push myself. So they just said, look, you just need to get on the phones and you're going to make your mistakes. You're going to do this and that, but you'll work your way around it. And I think that was probably one of the best pieces of advice I got um, mm. at that point, um, just because for me, how I learn, you can tell me all day and I'll understand it, but until I actually do it, it is kind of that the level of understanding is different. Um, yeah. so for me, it was a case of just getting on the phone and trying to sell a service um, and trying to sell the company and understanding legislation. And it was difficult initially just because certain conversations, people were seeing that because I was in the office, I kind of knew everything about the industry. And to a certain extent, that's fine now because I'm seven years on from that. I can handle that and that's fine. But kind of fresh from football and into a new industry, I, I didn't know anything really. Uh, mm. So it, it was difficult. And it's just a case of listening to people, how they kind of entertain clients and how they deal with kind of certain matters that throw up, thrown up on a daily basis. So it was one of those. It was a learning curve. And it was, um, I wouldn't say it was difficult. It was just something that I had to embrace. And you say ch challenging, rather, challenging rather than difficult, right? That's it, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So it sounds a little bit like obviously your situation, and you kind of you're just thrown in at the deep end, and you have to yeah, but it, but that's, that's it. I mean, you, you mentioned about you know, tran transferable skills, and um, mm. again, until you until you try to apply those skills to something, you don't know how transferable they are. Yeah. And I, and that's one that's one thing. The, the biggest thing I've I've learned, I think the the, the, the biggest asset that I that I gain through playing is your is your ability to be resilient. Mm. Uh, and also your, your people skills. Yeah. You know, when you when you when you say you you and I went you and I went to the show when we were fourteen years old. You know what I mean? And you're in an environment with sixteen lads. That's an unforgiving place. Yeah. You know, 100%. there's no holding back. There's no holding back when you're that age <laughs> and you're you put you're pitched together with, with seemingly the best players from your age group in the country that all think mm. they're all all have been revered in their in their peer groups. Mm. An unforgiving place to go into. And if you if you know, and that that bent and shaped me. And then going back into going into the youth team. And again, mm. just having the piss taken out of you constantly. It's, it's one of yeah. one or two things is going to happen. You either deal with it or you crumble. And then as you as you develop, as you, as your career develops, whether that's in sport or elsewhere, you know, you you learn then, you learn then what what to take on board and what to dismiss. And I think when you you know 16, 17 years of of, of doing it, mm. at some point the penny's going to drop. When you realise that when you, when you go into a, a business environment, if someone digs you out for something, you go, yeah, all right, no problem. You know, you know, you don't disappear into the into the into the toilets and never cry for half an hour you know you, uh, everyone's different but i think the, the biggest the biggest thing that i've learned is that like, I, ha I have a, a good understanding of, of people i'm a good judge of character i think mm. well in a work sense maybe so um <laughs> i'm a decent judge of character I, I've, I've managed to assemble a, a really good young dynamic team yeah and they all get on well i get on well with them um mm. And also, yeah, the, the, the ability just to, to, to look at things objectively and not take things personally. And mm. that you can apply to anything. And I think, you know, if, any, if, anybody's, if anyone's got a, you know, a misconception about you know, sports people just being one-dimensional, yeah, yeah, you're driven, you're determined, you're, you're disciplined, you're focused, all the, all the generic terms that come with being a sports person. But, yeah. you know, you forget about the other bits and pieces that you've had to contend with. So yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a process, but you know, now I can sit and say comfortably that I know what I'm reasonably good at, and I kind of half know how to apply it. I've got a long, long way to go. I'm I'm nowhere near where I want to be in terms of 
you know, career path. You know, you and I are in the same situation. The people we, we grew up with are now senior management, directors, partners, mm. business owners. You know, we're playing catch up. Yeah. But that's not, that's not because we're not capable. It's just because we're behind the curve. We did something else. So it's, it's, how, it's, just, it's giving yourself an opportunity, I think, and being open, as you've, as you've done, mate. It's being open to challenges and embracing challenges and trying your best to, to make the best of the situation. Absolutely. You make a good point because when we were kind of 25, 26, 27, we're still trying to kind of earn our keep in football to a certain degree, depending on what level you're playing at. Um, and then you've got friends outside of the game who are kind of, they get into management roles and, and senior management. And by the time we're kind of coming to retirement, the generic, say, 31, 32, up to 35, they're already established CEOs and things like that. So you mentioned about having the same capabilities or abilities or whatever it may be, but we're just playing catch-up essentially. So it's not just the case of you're one-dimensional and you've played football or tennis or cricket or whatever, and that's all you can do and that's all you know. It's just a case of we had a different career path and we went left and they went right. Um, and, and that's just how it is. Um, so from, from an athlete's perspective and also an industry and an organisation perspective, we all need to understand that and we all need to understand where we are. Um, you mentioned, obviously, you're working at Brentford. So just talk us through your, your average day in terms of what you're doing. Well, it's been, it's, it's been a bit different since lockdown, as you can imagine. Um, okay. But what it has done is dispelled the myth of working, working from home to jolly up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We've been working <laughs> remotely since we've been working remotely on mass since the 20th of March, and um, okay. managed managed to function to a, a fair degree of normality in terms of our output. Mm. But yeah, you know, so so my, my you know, kind of my my team's role prior to us setting team seats for the new stadium is was about looking at, at commercial opportunities within the commercial environment. So supporting the partnerships team. Um, supporting the the hospitality team, looking at you know B two B offerings. We're, we're, where where the new stadium, where our office is located, it's in the Golden Mile on just on the M4 in West London. It's um, you know there's industry everywhere, and there's there's so many opportunities. So we're just basically trying to support the commercial pyramid. Sounds mm-hmm. quite contrived, but that's effectively what we're doing is looking for opportunities. Um, but then we're always going to be a, a, heavily involved in the in the season ticket process so getting all of our season ticket holders at griffin park over to the new stadium and then mm. trying to grow that that fan supporter base so going from 6600 season ticket holders to 10,000. so yeah we're 85 percent of the way there um and given the circumstances it's not but not bad mm. but yeah it's a case of you know we have a briefing every morning 9 15 on on teams checking yeah. make sure everyone's okay make sure we haven't lost anyone overnight you know yeah. <laughs> um Keep everyone fo- focused. Any technology issues, any anything that's that's popped up for the night before, um, and then the guys get on with it, and we we do a debrief at five fifteen. Everything in between is about planning, um, you know, troubleshooting, seeing what's what's coming next in terms of the landscape. It's an ever moving landscape at the moment with with, with football. Yeah. Are we going? Are we going to go back next season with fans, without fans? So we're looking at legislations that are involved in that. So it's yeah, it's. It's interesting, mate. It's it's really interesting. But again, I'm I'm fortunate that I've got a, a very dependable team around me as well. Um, and I think our our stock is is pretty high within the organisation, based on the fact that the, the the young individuals that have been doing their jobs have done it to the very best of their ability. And, and consequently, you know, we're we're in, a, we're in a decent position in spite of lockdown. So mm. just need the team to continue doing what they're doing. Um, if we every and if if we get, I'm using the word we if Brentford get into the Premier League, then you know, what an achievement it'll be by everyone involved with the club. That's what I was going to say, because obviously the first team are flying at the moment um, and they're kind of pushing for promotion, obviously. Um, we all know what kind of 
uh, prospects and opportunities that Premier League brings. Um, so with that in mind, obviously with them flying, I'm sure there's kind of a buzz around the place and that resonates throughout the whole kind of area, if that makes sense. Not not just in the stadium alone, but kind of with the fans and the whole kind of community from that perspective. Yeah, and we see there's been a huge spike. You know, we hit a bit of a a bit of a plateau, we'll say, um, yeah. about six, seven weeks ago. Yeah. But now football's returned. And, and of course, because the team have come back so strongly, you know, we see a, a big spike in interest back in season tickets again. So again, it's, it's about, I think the, the, the key thing throughout this whole process is trying to keep people focused and motivated because you, you leave people to their own devices sometimes. You know, it's, we're doing the same thing every day. It can be quite challenging, yeah. but we've been quite lucky. We've, we've, been, we've faced quite a lot of different, issues throughout the course of lockdown as a, as a group yeah so um but yeah the, the 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 allure of the premier league means that a lot of eyeballs are focusing on what brentford are doing and, and from a fan's perspective you want you they want to be involved they want they want to be on the ride with us so mm. it's 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 not a difficult it's not a difficult sell when the team are winning and flying because everyone wants to be a part of it the challenges all will come you know mm -hmm. if, if results start having a bit of a dip or you know something something happens adversely but yeah, it's, um, I think for, for the community, for the club, you know, being at Griffin Park, which I'm sure you played that over the years, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's been there since 1904, the stadium. So there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of memories for people that have, that have been going for a number of years. But for Brentford to evolve, the new stadium's at that new dawn. And it's, um, I, again, I, I said to my team, I said to them, you know, you've, you have designs to work in football. I don't think you could have come into an organisation at a better time. You know, a lot of people come into a, a, a football club that's just moved stadium because they've grown their sales team or a new stadium's five years in the pipeline. To come in at, on the cusp of the transition mm. as you work through the move, yeah. you know, that, that, and you know, talk about CV and transferable skills. For, for, my, for my young team, you know, to say that they've, they've worked through a stadium move during a global pandemic, well, you know, we, we've worked we haven't, you know, a lot, a lot of people had to be furloughed to protect the business. Yeah. But we've worked all the way through, continuously worked all the way through the process. And for them, you know, it's, inv it's been invaluable, invaluable experience for them and for myself, obviously. But, mm. you know, that's what I think the, 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 proud, the most pride I take is the fact that the, the, the team have done so, so well as a mm. team that I effectively in the main put together. So it's, it's been quite rewarding in that regard. That's brilliant, mate. I'm really happy for you. And obviously, fingers crossed for the first team. Um, I'm sure they'll be fine anyway. Um, but yeah, you mentioned earlier, you touched on the fact that you went to Lillyshaw. So for the listeners out there, um, I think I mentioned previously on a, a couple of other podcasts that I've done with other guests as well, uh, Lillyshaw is now, it, it's basically a defunct um, service. Basically, it was the best 16, 17 players from the ages of 14 to 16 um, from across the UK, well, from across England, um, who attended there. Um, and basically, you represent in England at a young age. And you basically board um, on site for two years and you go to a generic kind of uh, comprehensive school. Um, so that's where me and me and you met. And obviously we've kept in contact as you do now and again throughout the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of Lillyshaw itself, how was that experience for you? Because for me, I, I really enjoyed it. Obviously a young age, so leaving home and things like that. And that was difficult. But then you've got your teammates around you to pull you through mm -hmm. that. And we all experienced our different kind of uh, part of say homesickness indirectly um, and that's where you use your team kind of to, to pull each other through how was your experience yeah i, I think I, I only realized how much i enjoyed it after i left mm. that makes sense 
Yeah. You know, when 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 you're in it, yeah, you're right, mate. You did it on the head. There are there are times where everyone went through their own their own kind of challenges. I think, mm. you know, it's it's a quite a um, hormonal environment to be in. You know, mm. when you're, you know, <laughs> testosterone filled, you know, a roller coaster ride of emotion, isn't it? You know, you've got 32 lads um, confined to a you know a 11 and a half on a, at a boarding house effectively which is what it was mm. um all vi- all vying to be the best and it's um yeah it took me it took me a, it took me a while mm. <laughs> all right darling thank you <laughs> sorry mate um yeah i think it's it took me a while to adapt to it because again you come you come from a little suburban area you know you've you've always been renowned as being a decent footballer at, at, yeah, in your respective schools district yeah. county wherever that may be and then you come into this environment with with 15 other lads that are equally as good if not better than you better in the main you know um yeah. and you don't really understand their backgrounds the culture yeah. so i i think in terms of in terms of my character and development it was invaluable you know, be, being in that environment, learning to stand up for yourself, not necessarily physically, but like mentally stand up for yourself. Yeah. Um, and then coming back, going into youth team, you know, am I going to go to digs? No, I'm not going to go to digs. I've been away from home for two years. But <laughs> going, in, going into the environment where, again, you've got guys that have been doing their own thing for two years, you, you come back in, you've got, Again, you've got to prove yourself all over again because you've been at the FA National School and mm. people are looking at you a little bit skewed going, who's this guy? And, you know, I've been yeah. playing schoolboy football for the last two years. Where have you been? Mm. Uh, and you've always, got to, you've always got to prove yourself all over again. And all these yeah. little battles you go through, they mm. help shape, shape and bend you. But, yeah, the all, I mean, as I said, there's, there's, I, I don't speak to everybody regularly. Mm. But, you know, we, we've made a couple of futile attempts to get a, a reunion together and there's always different agendas. We tried most recently about you know, six months ago, didn't we? Yeah. And we got, we got very close to finding a date in three years' time. <laughs> <laughs> three, three people left the group and it just, it, it, it just kind of fitted out. But no, but their, their, their relationship has stand the test of time. And that's because I think we all went through something together at that point where yeah. you know, it was challenging, but it helped, it helped mould us into the characters we are today. And I think it's testament to to the um the process really it's a shame that literature doesn't exist anymore because you know i think it, it certainly it certainly equipped me for for a career in sport um mm. although keith blunt would have argued differently when he told me to concentrate <laughs> on education as i was leaving yeah. <laughs> uh, i remember, I remember you told us. <laughs> yeah mate where we, i think we, we were in brazil when that happened or where were we we were overseas some when we had the i don't know because I, I was injured because i had a hairline fracture i don't know if you remember in my in my back um but you travelled though, I'm sure. When you're not away, I'm sure you came. I'm sure we were all away somewhere, were we not? I, I, I didn't go to Brazil. I, I was in the squad, but I had to pull out because that's what, that right. basically that was the start of my hairline fracture in my back. Um, so I missed yeah, like okay. the last four or five months of the time at the initial. But I remember mm-hmm. you saying cause we all had to go and have a chat with uh, Keith. Yeah, Brooks, yeah. And he kind of he gave us hints and tips on what to do to kind of. And I remember you were telling you were telling the group that. Uh, he, he said to you, you need to continue your education. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk about knockbacks in life, right? How do you deal with that? You know I mean, I've just, I've just, I've just, I've just committed myself. Is, like, with, with Keith Blunt, because it's it, insane that he wouldn't, he wasn't being harsh. He was just being real, and that, that's just how he was. That's and all. But, that, but that's all you. I think, mate. That's all you ever want. 
yeah. that's, all, that's all I want from that's all I want from my daughter, mm. and you know that's all, all I want from people that is to. Yeah, look, 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 you know, have, have, the, have the courage to, to have the courage of your convictions to make a judgment call. And if it's wrong, mm. then you, you live by it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think, I think that, that's, 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 that's all, all, I, all I want in my professional life is, is, the, is the opportunity to, to make decisions, but be held accountable for them. That's you know, given your autonomy to do your job properly. But if you make a mistake, then it's, it's on you. That's not, it. you know, not minim, you know, maximum authority, zero accountability. I'm not down for that. No, no, I know what you mean. And I suppose what he said to you probably spurred you on because we're all good players and we, we all had our ups and downs on the pitch. Um, I mean, on the pitch, in terms of us as a team, how good were we as a team? Frightening. Absolutely. Frightening. Yeah, I, I, miss, I miss the Nordics as well. I, I did my ankle. I oh, did my yeah. ankle when the regional games. See, we played, we played the South East down at Bishop Abbey. I went out for a header, standard. No one near me rolled my ankle and I couldn't go to the Nordics. But, I felt I felt that would have hindered my progress. To be fair, but mm. I managed to catch back up again. But the the trip you guys had when you went over there and you wiped the floor with everyone, because again, that was the kind of barometer, wasn't it, for for year groups? Yeah, hey, you're going to win the Nordics. You know, well, that, the first that, that thing to in the first couple of weeks of going is kind of okay. You, you seniors, it was always seniors and juniors, and obviously, as a junior yeah, to yeah. go there, seniors used to always say, "Look, we won the Nordics," which was basically yeah. cup. So you go and obviously play in Scandinavia, and you play kind of all the teams across the world. Um, so, yeah, when we went there, you don't realise how much pressure you're under because we obviously knew, look, we can't go back and say we haven't won. But if we do, we need to have played well. Um, but, yeah, we went over there and won it and I was so glad. I think I actually scored. I think I scored the winner in the final. To be fair. Don't, like, don't even remember. You've been done that for years. I, I, remember score, I remember scoring because it was a throw-in. I think someone flicked it and I got in at the near post and hit it to the roof of the net. Um, I don't know if it was two one or I don't know two nil. I know I scored anyway, so that's my claim to fame. That's what matters, mate. <laughs> but, I remember, but I remember, remember um, Ant Allman, for example. You know, Ant, Ant was quite small, but as a defender. But I remember the confidence he had when he came back from the Nordics. Yeah. That kind of that 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 made that made his experience. I think. I think he, 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 I would I would think he would agree if you spoke to him about it. Yeah. You know, going there slightly slightly shy and unsure. Yeah. Arguably, I think by all accounts, I remember him. You know, people telling me that he was, you know, arguably one of our best players in the tournament. Mm. And the confidence he had coming back, yeah, you yeah. know, and that, that's what that's what it can do for you. You know, that's exactly. what it can do. Yeah, it was um, it was a crazy experience, and like you said, it, it's sad that it's no longer here with us. Um, but for for me, like a few things that kind of hello, <laughs> a few things that um, I wouldn't say I struggled with, but they they took me aback slightly. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, early, you kind of, in your own, say, peer group, or whatever it may be, you're always known as the best or one of the best. When I went to Nillyshaw, the standard went from, from my perspective, from here to here. Uh, we had some crazy like, kind of um, players in our team, and their, their level of understanding was ridiculous. Um, yeah. Not only that, obviously, I'm, I'm small now, I'm only 5'7, but when I was at Nillyshaw. In, in Hills. Yeah, <laughs> I was really, really small at Lillyshaw, probably, I don't know, less than five foot anyway. But then when I saw people like yourself, Keith Cannonville, Stuart Taylor, and Matthew Gent, they're all like six foot, six foot two, six foot three, this is like 14. So I was like, yeah. these guys are grown men, like, what, what mm. chance have I got? I always believed in my ability, it never hindered me on the pitch, but physically looking at some of you guys, 
absolute monster. But, but, that, but that's but that's uh, you know that's, that's modern football now, isn't it? You look at you look yeah. at how the games evolved since we first came came mm. through. You know, six foot now, six foot now, six foot four. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can run run, run hundred meters in eleven seconds. It's now ten seconds. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, that's everyone's fitter, quicker, stronger, bigger. You know, and that's that's evolution, isn't it? But mm. yeah, it's. Um, it is. It is. It was a real test. It was a real test, I think. And as you as you rightly say, you know, everyone dealt with it in their in their own way. But my my memories of you coming through, I just just an elegant footballer. Do you know what I mean? You, 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 but you were, mate. Also, the, the the ability you had was frightening, frightening. And you didn't let you, you didn't let your size hinder you. Um, you know, and and again, when you think about you think about modern day football and and and. And what's expected and what's required, especially people playing wide positions, play left back, right back, left wing. Mm. You know the the, the the ability to to forge a career in those positions is is, is, is tough, really tough. Mm. You know, and um, again, I've got a huge amount of respect for for what you've achieved in the game as well. And and it's, I think that's and that's something you learn also by 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 spending time with good people and and understanding how difficult it is. Um, you have to have a healthy respect for what people have achieved. Mm. And so we've graduated from Lily Shaw after two years. So you leave at the end of uh, the two years, tender age of 16. And we've all gone our separate way. So I've gone to Nottingham Forest and you've gone to Arsenal. How was it kind of, you mentioned obviously going in the dressing room and people weren't aware of who you were just because you hadn't been around for two years. And you had to prove yourself and whatever else. But in terms of training, so if you've gone through the youth team now, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit. You've gone through the youth team, you're kind of in the reserves established and then you're training with the first team. What was it like to be training with Burkham, Henri, Pires, all those guys on a daily basis? Terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> it, 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 honestly, mate, I, I, I kid you not. I would, I would say that I only really became anywhere near comfortable in that environment about three weeks before I left. Really? It was, it's, yeah, because I, it was one of those ones. We, I, I don't know you, how you found it, but. There were, there were, we were kind of a, a group within a group. The reserves, the reserves at Arsenal at that point in time, there was about the nucleus of, a, of about 11, 10 or 11 people. Mm. Uh, on any given day, George Armstrong, God rest his soul, you know, he, he would be left with like four or five bodies because, you know, Pat Rice would walk over and go, right, you, 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 you're with us today. And, and George would go, right, okay, so we'll run then. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, but again, in terms of education, mate, I, I was very fortunate to work with Don Howe. I was very fortunate to work with George Armstrong. Um, with with Pat Rice, with Arsene Wenger, with with Boris Primorac, these guys that that help that help shape the Premier League, you know. Um, and again, the the, the the bits and pieces you pick up from them, you don't necessarily understand it at the time. And yeah. again, advanced hindsight would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? If you could tell your, your your 16, 17 year old self, you know what you now know, I think yeah. I think careers would have been very very different. But no, I I, lo- I loved every second of it. I loved every second of it, and I was very fortunate to to get a little little bit of a sniff of first team action. Action, um, but it was yeah, it was great. It was great. I loved it, and you know, once yeah yeah, some some relationships that will will stand the test of time as well. Mm. And you said you mentioned that you got a, you got a sniff of uh, first team action. So how was your debut for the club? How did that feel pulling on the shirt? Yeah, amazing. So it was it was in the it was, it was the Worthington Cup back then. So it was um, it was Middlesbrough away, and uh, I, I came on at half time. Um, Oleg Luzhny pulled his groin, so I came on at half time. Mm-hmm. I was um, yeah, I came on at centre back, and <laughs> it was Brian Dean and Hamilton Rickard were the two strikers for Middlesbrough. So you talk about units. Wow, 
<laughs> wow. But you know what? It was it was weird. It was just such a blur. Um, I, again, I loved it. I, I, I feel like I gave a good account of myself. You know, that it was a decent borough side. I mean, Gaza played, Janino played. Mm. Um, I, I'm guessing Gareth Southgate may well have been there at that point as well. I don't know. Okay. I'm just chucking names at you now. But um, <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed it. And, mm. you know, to think it was, it was the same team that Ashley Cole made his debut in, Jermaine Pennant made his debut in. All right. um, it was, I think it was one of Thierry Henry's first games as well um, okay. at that point. So, yeah, great, great, great memories. And mm. uh, it, it was, if anything, it gave me a bit of false hope, to be honest with you, because mm. I, I played that game. I, I played, yeah, I, I played the, 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 the second half and then the whole of extra time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the next game was a, it, it was, a, there was a league game. Uh, which I think was on, I was on the bench for, and then we played Blackpool in the in the ref, in the FA Cup. Okay. Can you stop shouting, please? <laughs> yeah, don't shout, Mummy Blunning. You should be in bed now. What time is it? Yeah, decent, decent parenting. Um, yeah, yeah, I think there was, there was a game against um, game against Blackpool in the FA Cup third round at Highbury, and. You know, you know what the lads are like. They're going, "Oh, you, you must have a sniff. You must have a sniff." I think, I think uh, one of the one of the the the, 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 the first team centre backs was struggling, whatever it may be. Mm. And you know, given the fact I'd done well against Middlesbrough, and it was it was Blackpool in the FA Cup third round. Blackpool, I think at that point were was second division. Do you know what I mean? It's like if ever if ever there's a chance. Mm. And they played he played Manu Petit centre back, and I sat on the bench, and it was like, oh, that's a bit of a blow. Yeah, and then. At the end of that season, we'd always secured Champions League and then played up at Newcastle, like last game of the season. Um, so that was my one, my one Premier League game. We went at Newcastle, we got thumped 4-2. But again, unbelievable experience. You know, having Shearer, Kieran Dyer, Gary Speed. Um, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. And um, yeah, the, 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 ex- the experiences will, will, will live long in the memory. And it's only really, mate, when, you, when, you, when you're, you're pressed to talk about it, you can really appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, it's it's yeah. it's not it's not something you you scream from the rooftops. You know what I mean? It's part it's part of your your, your DNA and it's part of your your, your history and your past. Mm. But you know, it's like, it's like when the, the nostalgia only comes when you start talking about it. You know, and you realise actually, pretty fucking cool achievement. Do you know what I mean? It's um, yeah. yeah. It's it, it's, like you said, once you're involved in it and kind of you're involved in that environment, it's it's just part of the norm. And then, like you said, until you kind of sit down and someone broaches the conversation with you that's when you kind of recollect and think actually it's quite an, a quite an achievement i speak to people all the time and they say oh like if i was you i'd talk about it all the time it's like well you wouldn't because it's not something you bring up like you're not going to introduce yourself and say oh by the way i used to play football like i speak mm. to people all the time and they, they don't know i used to play football so and that that's fine with me I, i'm not one of those people to shout from the rooftop like you said about it so um but yeah massive achievement um so you've left Arsenal, you've gone to Cardiff, and this is where you started to establish yourself out in the game. How did you come mm. to Cardiff? Because you kind of you got promotion, I think, was it a couple of times with Cardiff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah again. Yeah, it was, it was great in the main. I was there for just shy of six years in total. So I think I played yeah. 200, 200, over 200 games with them. Um, mm. Yeah, I would say 90% of the time I spent there was, was positive. Um, the latter part was, was challenging, but you're going to get that in football and in, in, a, in, in a, a business is based on opinion. You know, you're not always going to be, you're always going to be someone's first choice and that's, that is what it is. And that's, you know, 
backtracking slightly, that's where that those transferable skills come into effect. You, mm. you learn you learn to be cast a, cast aside, and you learn to dig dig in and, and get on with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some some fantastic memories there. Um, as you say, two two promotions. The, the most memorable being beating QPR at the Millennium Stadium. You know, seventy five thousand people. Well, wow. Wembley's being built, so it's like a it's, it's like a home from home, really. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, incredible, incredible memories of that. You know, playing championship football. Um, yeah, great. It was great. Uh, I just wish I, I wish I could have sustained it for longer. If I'm being honest with you, and these are these are the questions, the, 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 the little dark mm. chasms that open up in the back of your mind when you start challenging yourself of why did you do that and why did why did you do that and why did you say mm. that. But you know, in the main, yeah, it's been great, great experiences at Cardiff. I've got gained international recognition mainly from my my performances at Cardiff. Mm. I got fast track into the, into the Welsh squad when I when I made my debut for Arsenal, but without without earning it. If you get what I mean? It was a case of you know, young lad, give him, you know, get him involved in the squad. But mm. I think I really I kind of really earned my my place in the squad when I was you know playing playing regularly for Cardiff. And um, yeah, it was a a great time, a great time in yeah. my career for sure. I was going to touch on the, the Wales um, kind of well the Wales scenario because I thought that you got called up when you were at Cardiff, kind of established player. But you mentioned there you got called up was it into the first team, the like the main squad? Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. So 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 effectively, what what had happened was um, at the beginning towards the back end of that season, um, the under twenty ones manager, Welsh under twenty uh, one manager, contacted me. Um, probably about two weeks before I played against Newcastle, okay. and was basically sounding me out, saying, "Look, we've got a tournament in in the summer. You know, what what are your thoughts on it?" And I was like, "Yeah, do you know, what? cool. It sounds sounds great. You know, father's Welsh, always had a, a strong connection with with Wales. He spent a lot of time there visiting grandparents, etc." Mm. And then obviously, I, I made my debut then um, in the Premier League, and then I got a phone call from the uh, the team manager, not 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 as in as in the guy that coordinates the squad effectively saying oh by the way Mark Hughes would like to call you up into the senior squad I'm like what do you mean <laughs> he said yeah we're playing we're playing Brazil uh, in Cardiff and you've been drafted into the squad I was like well that's not too shabby um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so I, I sat on the bench granted I sat on the bench uh, I remember um, just sitting there just in awe going this is bizarre Mm. And then Silvino, Silvino played for for Brazil, so it was nice seeing him in a different environment. So I had, you know, yeah. I had a chat with him. But these they're the kind of things that validate you as a person. Yeah, I think yeah. when you're a young lad, speaking mm. to one of your contemporaries, although Silvino was a was a first team regular Arsenal, and you know he and I did not have any kind of personal relationship whatsoever. He was a first mm. team player, I was a reserve team player. But yeah. the fact that the fact that we had that, you know, we had that 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 kind of common um, denominator being on the international scene it kind of made me feel a little bit like actually, yeah. you know done all right here mm. um, and then I kind of I, I went back again in 21s after that for a free year um, mm. had a minor indiscretion was left out of Welsh squads for about a year after that <laughs> and then <laughs> and then um, I got back into the first team squad for the um, for the 2002-2003 campaign I think it was yeah so I was involved in, I think, 14 out of 16 squads under Mark Hughes. Um, managed to get seven caps or six caps for him in the process, one under John Toshak. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. Great, great experience. And in terms of the squad, so you're playing with the likes of Giggs and kind of who else was in the squad at that point? Yeah, so it was, the, the, you know, it's called the old guard, but yeah, Ryan Giggs, John Hartson, uh, Craig Bellamy was, was just coming, you know, coming to the fore as a, as a global talent. Mm. Um, yeah, Gary Speed. 
Um, you have Mark Pembridge, Mark Delaney. Um, you have Paul Jones, goalie. Um, Sav, probably Savage. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was um, a, a, a great, a great squad, a great mm-hmm. squad, and um, again, being in that, being in that environment was was invaluable as well. You know, learning from learning from people like that. Um, but also a big drinking culture as well. So I got to see yeah. both sides of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these, these, these superstars, these guys that have played the highest level could drink like superstars as well. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. That's good. I mean, from the outside looking in, people assume that to get to this path and whatever, you need to be some type of angel, just kind of go to training, train hard, do a bit of extra training, which is great, and then go home and just go in your shell. Um, one sec, Dan, sorry, one second. What is it, darling? <laughs> Can you give me one second? I was going to open the baby gate first as you get upstairs, okay. all right? Give me one second. Sorry, pal. One second. Right. You're a pain. Right, go on upstairs. Wave goodbye to Danny. Bye, bye, Danny. Good girl. <laughs> right, I'll be going. Go, go, go. I'll see you in a minute. Sorry, pal. That's all right. <laughs> oh. Basically, I was just saying, so sometimes from the outside looking in, people have a perception of athletes and they just think that you just need to train and kind of just go home and kind of just, I don't know, go into hibernation. But you can have a social life. You can kind of let your hair down now and again. Um, and a lot of the top players who I've come across, they're always kind of the first kind of to maybe instigate a night out or a meal out or some type of social event. So, mm. I mean, you touched on it there and obviously it was still happening. Uh, obviously happening more so those times than it is now. Football's moved on slightly. And um, social media, mate. Social media has changed the whole face of professional sport across it. the whole spectrum. Definitely. We never had that. We never yeah. had that, and I, I know social media is a whole different, a whole different topic of conversation. But mm. you know, the the question is, you know, could it's not a case, it's not a case we did anything wrong or anything scandalous, but could mm. could we, could we, could our generation have had the freedom to express ourselves both on and off the field as we did, had social media been in effect? And the answer to that question is absolutely not. No chance. Absolutely not. No chance. Mate, it, if you if you if you got spotted in a in a bar at a, a, a silly silly hour, it would take two days for it to get to the papers. <laughs> and by that uh, by that time, you've had a chance to get stuck into the gaffer and tell him, "Listen, this might this might happen." And, yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah. now now it's yeah. So the the yeah the professional sport across the whole spectrum has moved to a whole different level with the, the emergence of social media, and that's I think that's where that's also where you know habits have changed. As you rightly say, you can still have a social life, but you need to be, yeah, you know, you've, you've, you've got to look after yourself. You've got to look after your own, you, you, you've got to invest in yourself, haven't you? That's the thing. Yeah, invest in yourself. It's a mm. short-lived career. That's a short-lived career. Definitely. So we touched on, obviously, Arsenal, gone to Cardiff, established yourself, and then you've got into the Wales squad, and that was amazing. And then you've obviously sustained a career for another, what, 10, 10 12 years. Um, and we ended up meeting each other in Iceland, as in yeah. Iceland, the country. How, how random was that? So strange because we hadn't spoken <laughs> for years, and then no. I get a random call from an agent, um, have a few conversations, and he, he kind of mentions that he's got an opportunity for me to go and play in Iceland at one of the best teams over there. Um, I don't know if I knew you were over there at that point, I can't quite remember. I must have done, and I think I contacted you and asked you kind of how it was and whatever else. And 
um, you just said, look, you, you kind of sold it to me, which in some ways you being there helped me make a decision because I knew I was going mm. and you were kind of in the same area that I was going to be in. Um, so we could obviously kind of just, just hang out together. Um, mm. And obviously the standard of football over there, and I was surprised, to be honest, even off the back of how you sold it to me, I was still surprised how, how good it was over there. Um, yeah. I mentioned this before speaking to other people, and I said, kind of my time in Iceland, everything, so from on the pitch, off the pitch, and everything else that's kind of uh, involved in that kind of uh, environment, is probably the most professional I've felt since maybe leaving Leicester and playing at, say, Bournemouth, which is a decent level. Just because mm. the intensity of training, the intensity of games, how kind of serious they took football, um, the coaching, the level of understanding, um, the team ethic, it was like a family environment. And I spoke mm. to a few other kind of UK-based players when I was over there, and they just said it was exactly the same as, as what I've mentioned at their club. Yeah. Well. So it seemed like it ran through every kind of club uh, within the league. How did you find your, your time in Iceland, bearing in mind that you're playing for probably the second best team? Cause our team was the best team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we were defending champions, but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I loved every second of it. I loved it. I mean, genuinely, it was a, it was a you know, half-challenging time of my life as well to go over there. But mm. as you rightly say, mate, uh, it, the, the culturally, it's one of the, one of the, you know, the, the most welcoming, um, laid-back, environments that I found myself in, you know, and the fact yeah. that, you know, I was, I was in Reykjavik, um, you know, I, I lived across the road from the stadium, the training ground was one of mm -hmm. the same thing. Um, I had a car, but I could, you know, I, I could, I could drive into town within five minutes and mm -hmm. obviously you were there, Dave Ellibert, the Irish lab was there, who I, who I kind of randomly bumped into. Yeah. Uh, and just that, that whole kind of, yeah, I loved it. I was, I was genuinely gutted to leave. Genuinely got it to leave, you know. I, I I was supposed to be there for two years, and thanks thanks to your team, FH, we we, we couldn't win. We, we decided we weren't going to win the league with about six games to go. And because I was the only full time, I think me and me and uh, and one other lad um, were the only two like full time players. Mm. In Iceland, the majority the majority is semi semi professional. Although it's a full time league, it's a semi professional league in the sense that most guys have a day job as well. Yeah. Um, so they've come to me and gone, we've got to get you off the wage bill. And I'm like, well, it's not ideal. You know what I mean? I, I've, I've, mm. been here, I've been here six months. I've loved it. You know, the, I, I've been given dispensation to go back to the UK for the winter, mm. um, go on loan to if you can find someone that's willing to take you, be that League Two, League One, conference, wherever it may be, mm. go and play throughout the winter, come back at the start of next season. Don't worry about the preseason element of it. And to have that kind of cut short was was mm. gutting genuinely gutting um and obviously I'm, i came back from iceland in september and then couldn't go anywhere yeah because Thanks. you know i was out yeah it was a case of uh, i was out, out out with out with the transfer window mm. um so yeah it was it was um it was a real shame but i loved it mate again re reconnecting with you was was one of the highlights because mm. you know if you said the people that I would have met over there, you know, it's um, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I'm just glad I didn't actually play against you because that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> no, nah, um, yeah, I, I, I second that. I loved it over there as well, and um, just the whole experience, just being in a different country. They seem to embrace foreigners, and everyone mm. spoke English as well, so it made kind of the move a lot easier. 
Um, it's just a relaxed place, relaxed atmosphere. Yeah. It's a really, a, really, a really cool place. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you, 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 you're actually spot on, mate. It was, you know, a very welcoming, non-discriminative environment where everybody, everybody was welcome, effectively. And, um, mm. yeah, loved it. Loved mm. it. And the nightlife wasn't bad either. Yeah, 100%. Um, mm. I mean, in terms of your end at Iceland, it was kind of it's similar to mine, really. Um, I mean, there was talks about extending. The players were kind of saying, "Look, we need to stay." And I remember you saying in the car a few times after, kind of um, after training, we'd normally go into town and just have like a coffee or whatever it would be. Um, and you were saying like, "You need to stay for another year," because obviously, you, I think you already had another year. Did you say? I had a year. I I, I signed a two-year contract. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. So you were kind of adamant that I needed to stay. And I still wasn't sure because I had a young family. I only had one child at the time. He was three. Yeah. And I was only a year into my marriage. So my wife was at home. She was still mm. working and things like that. So I had all those things to contend with. But if they had put something on the table to me, I probably would have had to have a conversation with the family back home because... But we, 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 talk, we spoke about that. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. options you had, though, about your yeah. family moving out and what have you. Well, that was, that was the, how seriously it was being taken. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then similar scenario again, it came down to finances. Um, and like you mentioned, I was, I was full-time. Although it's a full-time lead, everyone else in the team, uh, bar maybe me and a couple of others, um, were kind of working. So they had to go to work in the day and come to train. Um, in the evenings. So in terms of finances, again, it was one of those where potentially they just had to get me off the wage bill and then came back in, what, the start of October. And again, can't really play in the UK. So I was kind of just going on, not on trial, but just going to train with local clubs just to try and keep myself fit. And at that mm. point, I was in a crossroads and then came Christmas time and I just thought, you know what, I need to, I need to look at something else. And I applied for a job and then thankfully got the job and haven't really looked back since. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise, really, because I'd always have to work because obviously yeah. financially it meant I had to. Um, so if I'd carried on playing for another three or four years, who knows, I may have been struggling to get a job. So it's one of those things that I look at and it's kind of, like I said, blessing in disguise. Um, yeah, so you, 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 you almost, when you, when, you get to the, you, when you get to the kind of the, the final stretch, mm. every year is delaying the inevitable. As yeah. you say, if you say, unless you're, unless you're one of the 0.001 percentile of the, of the professional sport, yeah. you know, the upper echelons in professional sport that will, could earn enough money never to work again. Exactly. Every year that passes in your 30s is delaying the inevitable, you know, and uh, you're, you're right. I think you know, having, have, and also Dan, having the courage to make that call and also going out on your own terms, that's something I think that mm. I think a lot of people, a lot of people could make peace with a decision if it's their own to make. Do yeah. you know what I mean? If that's taken yeah. away from you, that can that can be quite debilitating. Mm. But you know, the fact that you you decided, do you know what? That's me. Mm. I'm gonna go and do something else. You know, I think that that in itself is is something you should be really proud of. Really proud mm. of it because a lot of people can't make that call. Uh, yeah, and that's definitely. when you that's when you find when when something stops and you're not ready for it, mm. that's when that's when the, the problems spring up, isn't it? And I think if you've you've got the presence of mind to identify when perhaps your stock isn't where it once was. Mm. or you don't feel like you can get to back to where you need to be, mm. you know, yeah. to make to make that cause an incredibly brave decision to make. That's so true. Um, so, I mean, just to bring it to a close, we've obviously touched on initially about kind of your retirement process and you, you kind of, you've mentioned that it was cut short um, through injury, which again is unfortunate. Um, do you think more help's needed for athletes? So, again, 
we always relate to football because we used to be footballers, but I'm talking about sport in general now. So generically, when it comes to athletes transitioning from transitioning away from their chosen field into whether it be another field completely different, like myself and, and kind of like yourself to a certain degree, or within their chosen field, but just doing a, a different kind of a chosen a different career path, maybe gone into coaching or whatever. Do you think more help's needed from organisations or kind of the club that they're affiliated with or organisation that they're affiliated with? Yeah, I don't think it's a straightforward answer, to be honest mm. with you, because, you know, we're, we're, we as a, as a, a, you know, we use the term we, the generic we, you know, athletes in general are, you know, we're our own worst enemies at some point, you know, and mm. you, need, you need to be brave enough to have a conversation about it. You know, you've, if you're, if you want an opportunity, then you have to be brave enough to go and find the opportunity that I think you have to get out of your own way because a, a lot a lot of people that are in an elite bubble become quite self-entitled mm. um, and you have to understand that you know, once once you no longer have a value to an organization you're no longer their problem yeah? Yeah. and the, the, soon, the sooner you realize that mm. as a rule then you'll be able to, you'll be able to kind of go right shit I've got to rub my sleeves up here yeah. of course there are some organizations that are better than others in looking mm. after their alumni um, but I think, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think people need to be given the confidence and the, and and they have the courage of their convictions that there is there is life after professional sport. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm similar. I'll be delighted if this coined this phrase for him. But there is there's 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 life after professional sport and mm. you know, organisations. You know, in our in our environment, like the PFA, for example, they would have been very supportive of me. Mm. Can they do more? Absolutely. Can they be more proactive? Yes. Mm. But they also need help and guidance from, from their members, yeah. you know, to suggest. It's all good and well saying, well, the, the PFA have done nothing for me. Well, what do you want them to do? Exactly. You know, what, what, is, what role can they fulfill to make your life easier? Mm. You know, you look at, you look, I look at the, the, the RPA. I, I know, I know the, the, the CEO of the RPA. And I had a conversation with him a couple of years ago about it. And um, what, what they, they're a very proactive organisation in the sense that, so whereas whereas our union has you know one delegate to maybe 12 14 clubs mm. the rugby players association have one personal development manager per three clubs right so what they what they have is that one person regionally going to the three clubs once twice three times a week they have a rapport with the players they have a rapport with the staff mm. they have access and they can talk to and they can guide and they can counsel so yeah but you're, again, you have to be receptive to these things as well. So yes. I've digressed ever so slightly. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to because it's, it's, it's not a straightforward question. I think, I, think it's very, I think it's very easy. Yes, we need to be given more support to transition out of professional sport. But you also need to be prepared to, to look and source opportunity, ask questions. Yeah. And if you want help, you have, to, you have to put yourself in a position to get help and also, you know, don't expect people to to just kind of open doors for you. No, you have to, you, you know, you have you have to you have to be you have to ask the difficult questions. And you have to have you have to have a, a certain amount of self evaluation. Mm. Um, and again, it's it's a, it's a tricky one. But what what I, what, I, what I will say is that what I found and the thing I've you know, coming out of sport has allowed me to do is it's allowed me to reinvent myself. Yeah. So whatever whatever character you may have had as a, as a as a sports person, so. I was quite self-critical or I, I, I would, you know, I, I think even probably up until my, my late twenties, mm. 
mm. we've struggled to deal with adversity within a game. You know, if I made if I made a bad pass or I conceded a goal or I, you know, I had a bad game would really affect me. Mm. But I didn't want to take I didn't want to take that that baggage with me into into the workspace. So you kind of create this narrative around well, this is who I am now, a bit more confident, a bit more self assured. Am I? Depends, yeah, in the environment. But you can yeah. reinvent yourself, and that's. I think it's it's one of those ones where you've got to, you've got to find the balance between what you've learned, what you've gained, but also understanding that no one's going to hand anything to you, and you want help. In terms of professional development, then you have to ask questions of people. You can't expect it to be given to you, and don't moan the fact that no one supported you if you haven't asked for it. That that's makes good. sense. That's a massive point. I always say my, my kind of motto is. If you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. And as we all know, we've all left club before and we all say, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up on that. And you never do. And once you've left the club, you're immersed in your new club. Um, and that's just how it is. And once you've left the game, it's amazing. The phone stops ringing. I never really expected it to continue ringing anyway. I always had that no. mindset. But I always had the gumption to go out and get help, whether it be from family, friends, whoever. Because even to this day, when I try and get people on the podcast, I'll ask whoever, I don't care. Because people say to me, how do you get such and such on? It's like, just ask. Just ask, yeah. Just, that's it. So all they can say is no. They can't really say anything else. And even if they do, it's not going to deter me from doing what I, what I want to do anyway. Um, but you make a lot of good points there. And I really enjoyed the chat. Um, obviously, con continue to do what you're doing. Uh, I'm really proud of you, obviously, just because I know you're on a personal level as well. Um, I appreciate it, Danny. Thank you. No problem. If, if you just want to touch on what transferable skills you've taken from playing football into doing what, you, what you're doing now. Yeah, of course. Um, well, again, thank you for, for the opportunity to, to, to have this chat with you, mate. It's, um, it's, it's, nice, it's, it's nice to have these, these conversations and to air things out. I think it's really, it's mm -hmm. really helpful. That it is genuinely helpful. Um, but in terms of, of transferable skills, I think it's just having the, having the ability to, to be resilient in the face of adversity. I think, mm. you know, in, in sport, in, in, in any walk of life, let's, let's, not, let's not make it just solely about sport, but my experiences in sport, you know, you get a lot of knockbacks, be that through injury, be that through, through a manager not, not, liking, like, not liking you, not, not rating you to a club letting you go, to making a poor decision. However that may be, you, you, you kind of, you develop this resilience. And when you take that into the workplace, you realise that someone's saying to you, sorry, we're not going to give you the job. Or why did you do that? That was the wrong thing to do. You realise then that actually I'm, I'm equipped to deal with that. Cool. You know, you don't, you, yeah. don't, you don't, you don't, it's not a case, it's not a personal slant. It's just someone else's opinion. And the next person might think differently. Mm. Uh, and again, from, from my perspective, I think my ability to, to, to to deal with people yeah. you know people are often what's what's your main strength and i go ah uh, i'm good with people and you say it in a timid way like it's uh like it's nothing but yeah. when you, you think about it life is about people business and industry yeah. is about people and relationships and you've got the yeah. ability i know you personally you know having the ability to have a conversation with the ceo of an organization or someone that sweeps the toilets on the same level that that's mm. invaluable and that and these, these are the life lessons that i've picked up through playing mm. sport and taking that into into the work environment allows you to build rapport with people so what you may be lacking in experience or qualification you know the the lessons you've learned through professional sport and, and the, the ability you've gained not to take things personally and, and to and to shrug things off and, and to actually turn it into a positive i think they're the key things for me and i i would implore anybody that's that's doubting themselves and their abilities to, to transfer into the workplace just to take a little step back and go 
well, actually, do you know what? I, 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 I could do that. Mm. And don't be put off by job specs and job descriptions. They're designed to put you off. Yeah. So, I mean, job mm. descriptions are designed to, to, to make you think, I'm not going to apply for that job because <laughs> I, I, but you know, that's what it's all about. It's about, as you said, taking the risk, asking the question, challenging yourself, but also taking, taking reassurance from the fact that you, you've learned an awful lot and gained an awful lot of experience, wherever, wherever walk of life, whatever sport you've played in, you've mm. got, you've got the ability. You just need to put yourself in the environment to learn and develop. And, and then people will want to feed off your energy because that's what we're good at. That's what we've done for years. You know, We've been, a, we've been a part of a team. We thrive in a team environment. And who knows? You know, you might surprise yourself. Definitely, mate. Brilliant. Um, great insight. Uh, love the chat. Um, some invaluable information there. I hope the, hope the listeners enjoyed it. Um, we'll have to catch up soon. Obviously, we need to get the WhatsApp group going again. It started off yeah. and it fizzled out. The pandemic's hit us and it's kind of curtailed things a little bit. But hopefully, once that's kind of died over and the parameters are kind of lifted slightly, we'll We'll start again and we'll hopefully get um, something sorted so we can all meet up again. Uh, Love that, yeah, mate. Absolutely. Really appreciate you coming on today and uh, enjoy the chat, mate. Good luck and obviously we'll speak soon. Likewise, thank you. Have a good work, mate. Thank you for your, yeah. your time. Appreciate it. No problem. See you soon, mate. Thanks, pal.